This episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. Fun fact, did you know that if you listen to every title on Audible, you'd be listening for more than three centuries? I knew that, but only because I was the person that had to prepare this ad copy. Right now, you can get a free 30-day trial by visiting audible.com slash splain, or by texting splain to 500-500. That's 500-500. As an Audible member, you will get one credit every month good for any title in our entire premium selection. That means the latest bestseller, the buzziest new release, the hottest celebrity memoir, or that bucket list title you might have been meaning to pick up, like the Audio Award 2021 finalist Axiom's End. Those titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library, which you can listen to while working from home, on a walk, or just relaxing. Additionally, you can listen to Audible while crouched in the fetal position on the couch, while making dinner as your partner repeatedly stands in the way of every drawer and cabinet you need to access, or simply while you're standing. You know, like just just standing. You'll also get full access to our popular Plus catalog, filled with original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rest, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows. Although I can't see why anyone in their right mind would want to skip such an incredible ad read. It's all included with your membership, no credits needed. So again, go to audible.com slash splain or text splain to 500-500, that's 500-500, for a free 30-day trial. What are you waiting for? Oh, right. The rest of this podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Musical Splitting Podcast. I am your host and human booster shot, Kava Taharian. And I am Snoop Dogg apologist, Lindsay Ellis. (laughs) And today we are joined by a very special guest from someplace far away, like Mr. Snrub. (laughs) Right, so today uh, we are joined by a friend of mine, uh, Siddhant Adlaka. Siddhant is a, a film writer for uh, many outlets. I wouldn't just pin him to one. So he's that's how I know him, is through the uh, uh, film Twitter sphere, the well-respected and extremely dignified film Twitter sphere. Oh, only the best, <laughs> only the cream of the crop opinions. Welcome. Thank oh. you for that glowing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> You may as well just yeah, say I'm the- part of Gamergate or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so former alt-writers. <laughs> <laughs> Since this is a movie-based podcast now, um, it was thrown out a while back that we do an episode about a Bollywood movie. Yay. I guess I, I don't know. I wouldn't call you a Bollywood expert per se. No. Uh, right? No, no, no. <laughs> You're just no. More, like just He's someone like, who even lives in here. India. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, like, a, like a more, I guess, a broad scope film expert. Yeah. I'm Bollywood adjacent. Yeah, Bollywood, Bollywood adjacent. adjacent. Okay, that enough. works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that like Indian people, when they know find out I know any Bollywood movie mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, you're basically like, They're you know, in excited. the 0.01%. <laughs> you knew the title of one of them. So I was like, I don't know. I guess you're an expert, but I also just look to you to be that in general. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I kind of had a, I guess I kind of had like a little phase uh, as I was graduating college uh, because I, I got really obsessed with this movie called um, Calhonaho because it takes place in New York. I don't think as Americans, or I guess as white Americans, so as myself, uh, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself, I, white lady. I don't th- yeah, I don't think I don't think you can really get cultural appropriation until it happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like Calhoun, I was like, oh, so this is what it's like. And uh, I got, I don't know. I think it's great. But really, that's kind of the the end of my history. Is I've seen, I saw a bunch of them, and then I you know have my little favorite uh, musical numbers that I'll watch on YouTube from time to time. But that's pretty much it. Kalonaho is you know the right place for most Westerners to get into Bollywood. I think um, I think most South Asians in the West tend to start them off there and you know test the waters <laughs> a bit. See, all right, is this for you? Can you handle uh, you know the song and dance? And can you handle more importantly the melodrama? 
Oh mm-hmm. yeah, because that that is the other thing. Uh, is the the tone is very different um, mm-hmm. from from the I, I guess typical American movie. I'm, I guess I'm curious how this lines up with Iranian art house films because I'm, I'm going to oh, go yeah, out Iranian and assume, yeah. <laughs> assume it doesn't. Super depressing. Yeah, most of the Iranian <laughs> so art like, house films are not. It's all just upbeat. like a bunch of like a nation of Lars von Trierses. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's honestly like the first example I always think of is like there's a movie that came out in the 90s. I think it's called The Taste of Cherry. Uh, please don't mm-hmm. slaughter me on film Twitter, where it's basically <laughs> a guy wants to commit suicide and he's like looking for somebody to bury his body you mean like, a guy who wants to die by I'm suicide I'm sorry die by think- suicide you're right yes <laughs> he was an English major so he needed to make sure he said it properly but yes so I always think of that as like okay this is the sort of art house film of just being like please just fucking I hate my life like that's what all these movies are <laughs> I guess how big is Bollywood in Iran I guess you probably wouldn't know in Iran I don't know but I do know that my parents and like a lot of family definitely grew up watching a lot of random Bollywood stuff that was something that they were familiar with and, and my grandmother also used to just watch because like in in America there's the uh, the international channel, right? Which I don't know if this. I mean, I guess this is from the '90s and early 2000s, where like on, on <laughs> like cable, yeah, pay-per-view. before streaming. You know, the, <laughs> the, the preview channel. <laughs> the international channel was like you'd have one channel, and then like each day one nation would take it over. So one day there'd be like the Indian day where they'd show all the Indian stuff, and then all the Iranian stuff was like Sunday mornings that like my mom would play like full blast. So my grandmother, she liked some of the Indian stuff that she would just leave on and be like, oh, look at this. Like, this is so beautiful. The girls, the women are so beautiful. Look at the outfits. And she would love the songs and stuff. But the honest truth is I haven't really watched any in the last five years, 10 years. Um, So I don't know how that trend has changed. Are are the movies still like 12 eternities long or (laughs) not anymore? Uh, Things have started to get a lot shorter. Three hours is definitely now it's on the longer side, even though when I was growing up, three hours was like, you know, what what yeah. you folks that's would consider like a 90 minute movie yeah. yeah yeah that's like the inverse of here every movie yeah. here tends to be it's like going towards i mean fucking snyder cut four hours right although i think a big reason for that is um so we adopted you know the intermission the film intermission from hollywood back in like the 50s and 60s but mm-hmm. while that disappeared in hollywood we kept it and so we kind of built films around it so for the longest time you know three hours was just considered the normal length of a movie and everything here has intermissions, regardless of whether or not it's made with an intermission. So, mm. like, if a Hollywood film plays here, uh, it just, you know, cuts off in the middle of the scene and you go out and get more popcorn. That's awesome. It's happened in the, it's happened in the middle of plot twists at times. <laughs> okay, so now we are moving into what we affectionately call the landmines, which is I read stuff that I've never read before and I mispronounce it and probably screw everything up and sometimes Lindsay <laughs> still throws stuff in there that I don't know. <laughs> Things like pithy comments about Beyonce. Yeah, right. Bollywood. Okay, I can read that. Bollywood, contrary to common belief in the U.S., Bollywood is not the national film industry of India, but the Hindi language industry based in Mumbai, which in parentheses, Bombay plus Hollywood. India has many film industries because India has approximately one fucktillion languages. Yeah. <laughs> this is the technical term. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like, yeah, that, that, that's what it says on the uh, national constitution, right? One fucktillion languages. One fucktillion. Pretty much. That's how it opens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Others include Kaliwood, uh, Tamil Nadu, Pollywood for Punjab, and Dollywood for <laughs> Gujarati. That's not the same Dollywood that we're thinking of. There's two Dollywoods. <laughs> well, I guess there's three Dollywoods if you include the one in Tennessee. Man, they love like, Dolly Parton in India, apparently, huh? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would think so, honestly. It's very, like, she has an aesthetic that I feel that the people of the Indian continent would appreciate. Yeah. I mean, as much as the Americans do, we certainly love her, too. Another common example, Nollywood from Nigeria is the biggest film industry of any African country. I didn't know about Nollywood. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very influenced by Bollywood. Uh, actually, because like, I think that's the reason why just like worldwide more people watch Bollywood movies, just because they like, you know, they just they, they, they like the cut of their jib better <laughs> than the, than uh, American movies, which tend to be, you know, less family focused, less emotional, you know, it it turns out most of the world really likes melodrama. I was going to say melodrama is also probably easier to read if you don't necessarily speak the language, which I feel Mm -hmm. like American films tend to be really hyper focused on being about the specific experience rather than like a universal one. Yeah. 
Because again, going back to my grandmother, who keeps coming up to this podcast, but like that was the kind of stuff she liked to watch. She liked to watch the really big stuff because it was easier for her to follow, even though she barely spoke English or spoke, you know, whatever, Hindi or whatever each movie was in. But the melodrama, you could always register. It's like cut to someone's face and they're, you know, crying or you can see who the mother-in-law is or you can see who like this sense of disappointment. Also, today I learned Rwanda's film industry is called Hillywood because Rwanda got lots of hills. Hollywood. Okay, that makes sense. I like that everything's a derivative of Hollywood. Yep. Uh, Indian films are influenced by the structures of ancient Indian epics, like the Mahabharata. Is that right? Mahabharata. Mahabharata, the Ramayana, which might explain why they're all 700 hours long. <laughs> they are epics, indeed. They live up to their name. Uh, Bollywood represents only 43% of the total Indian net box office revenue. Bollywood is one of the largest centers of film production in the world and the second largest industry after Hollywood. In 2001 ticket sales, Indian cinema, including Bollywood, reported sold, reportedly sold an estimated 3.6 billion tickets worldwide compared to Hollywood's 2.6 billion tickets sold. That's crazy. Uh, although that is a little misleading, but we W-E... Yeah. Well, what, what's whatever. W-E? Whatever. Oh. <laughs> w slash E means whatever, <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> What's this LOL I keep reading on the internet? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's a little misleading because it's Indian cinema, not Bollywood. Uh, point still stands. Uh, you know, Indian cinema is more popular worldwide than American cinema. That's good because American cinema is not the best. <laughs> and, and more recently, so so Bollywood only makes up about twenty percent of the total films produced in India, mm-hmm. which tend to range around two thousand a year. But more recently, over the last five or seven years, uh, the the big blockbusters from uh, India's southern film industries in languages like Tamil and Telugu, those have been like the highest Indian earners worldwide, uh, both in the West and in China as well. Oh, interesting. So, so uh, Mumbai is slipping. Gotta, gotta step it up. <laughs> Any idea why? Uh, they're just, you know, pumping in a lot of money into really big, fun spectacles. Okay. So they're just are more they, are fancy they shorter? Pants. Yeah. No, no, no. We're we're still talking like big action epics. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. That's a, that's a weird thing. It's like I I think there's definitely this uh, question of like everybody's trying to court China. Um, oh yeah, for sure. At least certainly and, in Hollywood. Yeah, I think China is like the one country that. Uh, really isn't here for melodrama <laughs> like they're just you know it's just like less emotions now queen uh more you know spectacle uh, kind of yeah stuff, very right? yeah. yeah they like unemotional spectacle that's what we're here for um you know as a as a general trend obviously this is not apply to every chinese person in in the you know proud democracy that is china um no i think but, if i remember correctly a lot of i mean i don't know if this is still the thing but it was a couple years ago where china was only allowing like 20 movies or something from the West. I believe they, it is 36. 36 the, now. Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's 36 now. I'm sure it's, and it's not, out. it's not from the West. It's, it's the whole world. Oh, is it the whole, I always thought it was like from America, but I remember yeah. they, they tended to all be like special effects. Yeah. Like driven. Well, I mean, Disney kind of keeps trying to make fetch happen. And by fetch, I mean <laughs> Star Wars and the Chinese just, they do not give a shit about Star Wars. They don't care. They want these transformies. They give us the transformies. That's <laughs> yeah. The transformies they love, huh? Yeah, that's on. That's all. That's on their national char- charter. <laughs> <Give> us, <laughs> fuck Star Wars. Give us Transformers. All right. So Bollywood has been a significant form of soft power for India, increasing its influence and changing overseas perceptions of India, according to author Rupa Swaminathan. Swaminathan. Oh, Nathan. I I fucked it up. They, I'm well, sorry. yeah. That that Fired. th sound does not exist in Hindi. Oh right. Bollywood cinema is one of the strongest global cultural ambassadors of a new India. Its role in expanding India's global influence is comparable to Hollywood's similar role with American influence. The most popular commercial genre in Bollywood since the 1970s has been the masala film, which freely mixes different genres, including action, comedy, romance, drama, and melodrama, along with musical numbers. These films are also all 18 eternities long. <laughs> really long there, huh? <laughs> They're not short films. Yeah, I had a. Well, I guess I, I kind of had a realization, like, oh man, he's gonna hate this. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like Om Shanti Om, the movie we are talking about, is a is a breezy two hour forty five. So, <laughs> which was short for the dime. But I can take an intermission in the middle of it, apparently, yeah, which I'm excited about. Although on on streaming, <laughs> they kind of cut out where the intermission is supposed to be, so oh. you kind of have to mm. guess. Okay, <laughs> there is a there is a specific point where you know you you'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, known since the 1990s as New Bollywood, contemporary Bollywood is linked to economic liberalization in India during the early 1990s. And the reason I put that in there is just because, like, it, you know, there there is a kind of a a pretty stark division between old Bollywood and new Bollywood, like, especially aesthetically, like that was when they started kind of looking, you know, with an eye towards international distribution, you know, the quality of the just aesthetics went way, way, way up. They had an eye for the international audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's when they started, especially quoting South Asian audiences abroad. Om Shanti Om, finally on to the, to the main event, is a 2007 Indian Hindi language romantic fantasy comedy tragedy drama film. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I need a sip of water after it's that. Got a, it's got everything. <laughs> it's a movie that covers all of it. Directed and co-written by Farah Khan and starring Shah Rukh Khan, no relation, about an aspiring actor who falls in love with a 70s Bollywood starlet. The film is pure nostalgia for the Indian subcontinent. Yeah, because it released on Diwali weekend, which is usually one of our biggest release weekends. And um, uh, that was especially interesting, Diwali, because there were two major films going head to head on that day. Mm-hmm. And this one came out on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do you remember what the was... other one was? Yeah, it was a film called Savaria, directed by Sanjay Leela Bhansali. It's, it was a more artsy kind of film. So mm. this one was the more populist one. Uh, okay. yeah, so the, it was always towards. doomed. Yeah. yeah. Fucking yeah. art house films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this would have been the uh, highest grossing um, film of 2007. Uh, so, Kaveh, have you heard of uh, Shah Rukh Khan before? Yes. Okay, so you do know who he is. Yes. So for for those of you playing the home game, I guess most people probably know, like vaguely know who he is, but like he's one of the most famous people in the world. Yes. Um, and generally not super well known uh, in the uh, broader English sphere, but pretty super well known literally everywhere else. He was the biggest star in India during the two thousands, right? I think starting the mid nineties onwards until. I don't know if there's any one person who's become more popular than him, though. Um, yeah. So you could still say he's one of the biggest. Yeah. Maybe Amir Khan. Yeah, Amir Khan tends to do really well in China, actually. Um, I saw him um, do a talk. I think I think it was at USC, actually. Every single person in there was just like uh, either. Actually, I don't think they were American-born. They were, like, all Indian expats, just, like, riveted. Like, just, mm-hmm. like, everything that this... And he, he had just released a... No, what was it? <laughs> Could be Peeply Live. Peeply Live, that was it. So what should I be expecting in this film specifically? What do I need to be looking for? Do you want to frame it up for me? So Kalhonaho is one place to get into Bollywood if you're a Westerner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Om Shanti Om is also another place, but it's also kind of like, you know, dropping someone into like Avengers Endgame if they haven't <laughs> seen a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because this is completely, it, it's, it's entirely, you know... Um, callbacks to 60s and 70s Bollywood. Yeah. it It's not only, you know, partially set in 70s, you know, the 70s film industry, but it also takes and recycles a lot of, you know, practically every famous Bollywood trope over the years. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of surprising that it is able to turn it into a coherent and in some ways affecting narrative. Because if you've grown up with enough Hindi cinema... Mm-hmm. Um, every couple of minutes is like, oh, that's from that movie. That's from that movie. That's from that movie. And it's not just references. It's like entire, you know, settings and plot points. Mm-hmm. It's kind of everything thrown together and it somehow works. I was going to say, it's sort of like we were talking earlier. It sounds like a Simpsons episode or something where it like yeah. references all this different stuff. Yeah. And they even use like, um, it's like CGI faces, right? Like they'll uh, CGI what? in... <laughs> Yeah, like CGI and like uh, uh, 70s Bollywood actors. Ah, uh, I don't remember that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll have to revisit it, but like, yeah, there's, we'll, there's definitely, I guess that's the thing. I'm like, there's definitely CGI faces in there. I don't know if they're CGI faces of actual people, though. Like, <laughs> Wait, you know what? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I actually realized what you're talking about. Yeah, that was some some interesting compositing that they did at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some compositing of what I assume is some like 70s, 60, 70s Bollywood stars. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like yeah, this is this one is kind of throwing you in the deep end. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting uh, choice since it does 
kind of also function as a sort of like survey of uh, Hollywood as a as an aesthetic. I wouldn't even call it an industry because obviously it's like La La Land, <laughs> a uh, movie about the industry. Uh, so it turns out other industries do it too. <laughs> so it's going to be like a primer for knowing what came before, but like told through a contemporary yeah. lens. It's more Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than La La Land. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, a it's love very, letter. It's, yeah, it's, it's a love letter, yeah, because it's very nostalgic, and I don't even know what it's nostalgic for, but you can feel like, you know, like, okay, this is not made for, <laughs> this is not made for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think like, like most Bollywood movies that I've ever seen, it's like I've seen it one time. Because it is twenty hours long, um, and uh, but I was forty. It's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> Here's, Here's a totally random Americans, qu- you're weak. <laughs> Your tolerance for cinema is weak. Here's a super random question. Then the gauntlet. <laughs> Here's a super random question because it sounds like you guys put out a lot of musicals, right? A lot of musical films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are are so are just. By extrapolation, are there less stage musicals in India just because there's so many musical films, which is like the inverse here where it feels like musicals are cornered in like Broadway and people putting on live productions. There's not as many films out as a result of it. So there's not that much money in stage here, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of what it pays and what you know money is put into it. But I would say over the last five or seven years or so, you have had a couple of big productions here and there, some of which are actually based on uh, Bollywood films, mm-hmm. uh, but some of them are like Disney productions that come and set up shop here. Oh, good. So you got Frozen too. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we had a I think we had a Beauty and the Beast musical that ran here. Oh for my a while. god! Sorry, uh, I have feelings about the Beauty and the this Beast. This was discussed musical. in a previous episode last year. <laughs> Generally, theater here tends to be uh, a lot more niche, a lot more you know artsy and black box and street theater mm-hmm. and all that. All right, so the so film really is like the medium for this. Yeah, music film definitely has like cornered the market uh, for musicals. Yeah, uh, although I think I as I think that's also kind of becoming less and less the case because like in, in the last ten years, not every Bollywood movie is a musical anymore. I guess I don't want to say being phased out, but like um, scaled back. Right? Yeah, I guess scaled back. Well, because one of the things we always talk about is why does this story need to be told? As a musical through in film, as opposed to like, you know, it has to be something on stage. Yeah. A lot of modern Hindi cinema, it, it just, you know, has what are called item numbers for the sake of it. Uh, most of them today, just, I, I would say a good majority of them don't really need to have songs. Mm-hmm. And the songs aren't integrated into the story at all. In fact, the remixes of old songs more than anything else. Oh, uh, interesting. So okay. the story will just kind of, the story will just kind of stop and there will be, you know. Yeah, it is like... Or non-diegetic. So it's like a music video in the middle of it has nothing to do with the plot, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty uh, much. I mean, it, <laughs> look, T-Series is like the most subscribed, you know, channel on YouTube. And T-Series is just, you know, the, the musical sections of a lot of Hindi films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because that, that's what I'm here for, for for being honest. Because like, even if the the movies themselves kind of drag, um, like the songs do tend to be bangers. You know, I I think like especially in this movie, he's got it's got a few good ones. Um, I guess the other my other favorite one, at least in terms of songs anyway, is uh, another Shah Rukh joint uh, called Dilse, which is like. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about like the movie that stops <laughs> like when when the musical numbers start. You know, it's it's just like it's a tone that you don't really see in American films, especially because like that movie in particular is very like critical of like the Indian government and uh, oh, controversy. You know, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like snap, we have like this you know beautiful singing in the desert to my long lost love, and then snap back to like hard hitting gritty like <laughs> interrogation of India's relationship to the northern states i feel like in a film like dilse especially i think it it really works because uh of ar Rahman's music yeah which is in a way like transcended what the rest of the movie is yeah. even about like i saw it so long ago that i don't remember anything except the musical yeah numbers. yeah and the musical numbers are great like they also look really great yeah. for the most part uh some of the camera and works like we use one of them yeah in the film that well that was honestly like my very that was kind of why i got into this in college is like my very very first uh introduction was uh 
Well, it, it was sort of like this one-two punch. I had to take a, I had, I took a class on blockbuster films. Um, Not and movies we had, from the blockbuster video rental store. Yeah. <laughs> this was back when we still had. We had those. blockbuster. Um, so it was, it was, it was about blockbuster films, uh, and there was a day that we talked about Bollywood movies, and uh, the you know sort of guest lecturer that came in was just like, so the thing you need to know is they're all really bad, uh, and they're all really long, uh, but here's a good musical number and. The one that she showed was the uh, opening train sequence from Dilse, uh, which is really cool and also like would make you probably have a heart attack as a as a former <laughs> AD because these it's just like a bunch of people like jumping up and down on a moving train. Uh, <laughs> safety. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, some- it is it is one of the all time great musical numbers in Hindi cinema. Yeah, and it's really great. Like I've watched that like uh, one fucktillion times. Uh, and it's also like, yeah, it's just like, mm, someone didn't get this insured. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh, yeah, Jesus, that would terrifying. Spike Lee used that in the opening of Inside Man, uh, which is, of course, Spike Lee's uh, highest grossing movie. I wouldn't call it his most popular. Is there a correlation? Well, now we know what. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Inside Man. Yeah, gotta, we stand Inside that, Man. Gotta get that South Asian diaspora audience in yeah. there. Yeah. That region of like 1997 to 2012 is the region of uh, Bollywood cinema that I know, especially if you want to talk about Indian E.T. Ooh, I live for Indian E.T. (laughs) We have to talk about that as like an entire series. It is so, it's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) Are you talking about E.T. the movie or Entertainment Tonight E.T.? E.T. as in like, okay. Yeah. All right. We we have the time. I have a whole thing about this. Oh, yeah. it, it is it is buck buck wild, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna go to we're gonna go to break some silky smooth ad reads and <laughs> oh yes, uh, and <laughs> and we'll be back to discuss Om Shanti Om. This episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as My Comic Shop Country which sets out on a quest to explore the culture, business, and fandom of comic shops across America. Being a comic maker myself, I really enjoyed this film. Oh, you didn't know that I make comics? Oh, hey, guess what? I have a life outside this podcast. Thank you very much. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. Not saboteurs, vandals, or wasters. They come with fire. They come with axes. Gnawing, biting, breaking, hacking, burning. Destroyers and usurpers. Curse them! So why do I need Nebula if I've already got CuriosityStream? What? You're suddenly satisfied with just having one platform? This is not the way. Besides, CuriosityStream is all about big-budget, non-fiction videos, and Nebula is a place for smaller, independent, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original, my apologies to Martin Scorsese, content from creators like Legal Eagle, Sarah Zed, and one Lindsay Ellis. So you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting CuriosityStream.com slash musical splaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. And we're back. Back. Um Mother India <laughs> and the Avengers Endgame of Bollywood movies. <laughs> Man. What an epic sprawl though. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. because uh, uh Sedant um mentioned that and I I guess I kind of forgot the extent to which that was true how this isn't just a movie about Bollywood it also has like a cameo from basically every famous person that was like a big deal at the time and a few who weren't I have a feeling I know when that when that cameo specifically was (laughs) during which song (laughs) yeah just the one oh yeah the the song the one yeah it's like the one (laughs) I was like, oh, there were many. Um, Okay, so anyway, Om Shanti Om is the story of an aspiring actor named Om Prakash, played by uh, Shah Rukh Khan. He's in love with this this new starlet named Shanti Priya, who is played by somebody. Deepika Padukone. 
Yeah, she. That was, this was her first movie, right? Uh, her first Hindi film. She had done uh, one film in Canada before this, so it was her second film. So did she go on to be like a, a famous, or was this one of those like, okay, Oh, no, she's, she's still around. She's still one of, um, I think, the biggest actresses in Hindi cinema. And she did a Hollywood movie as well, uh, the third Triple X with Vin Diesel. Oh, The Return of Xander Cage? Yeah, the one and only. I didn't realize they did a third one of it. The Kanye West of action movies. <laughs> was that the one you, you interviewed the censorship board guy over? Yeah, yeah, it was around that time. So he falls in love with this uh, starlet and he's trying to impress her in the way that creepy guys do. Uh, But then he finds out, oh, no, she's actually married and it's a big secret. She's married to this producer named Mukesh, who uh, hates himself or rather he hates his (laughs) Indianness because he like, uh, yeah, he he prefers to go by Mikey (laughs) because he wants Tollywood to take him seriously. And, you know, but it's like for the first 90 minutes or so, it's like just, you know, kind of a cutesy little rom-com. And then uh, all of a sudden, bam, murder. Yeah, murder. <laughs> all of it comes at like once in the span of like yeah. five minutes, like the shift. Yeah. So Shanti Priya's husband uh, doesn't want the world to know that they're married for some reason. Because if she's married, she won't be a star. I think that's what he says. Yeah, right? Well, also, it's like he has some uh, business thing he wants to do, right? Yeah. He's like trying to marry somebody that like will give him a studio and. Yeah, so he burns her alive because, you know, fire is the purest death. And also, uh, Ohm, who's there, tries to save her, but then he gets killed too. So they both die immediately on the same day. But Lame. thank God for a reincarnation. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sin. like, yeah, just as, just as, uh, Ohm. One dies. Om two gets born. Uh, thank God to 2. another 0. producer. Yeah. yeah. So he just he just was born right into the system. So yeah. He he. The <laughs> Om two, who's named Om Kapoor, or AKA OK, because he's you know that's his like uh, Bollywood star chintzy thing. So he not only gets a second chance, he gets like the easy life because he's like born into the system. He just is like a star his whole life. And then as the uh, as the as the movie goes on and we get a truly, truly delightful musical number that I I completely forgot how good it was. I watched it twice. Uh, (laughs) He starts to remember his. Oh, right. uh, Yeah. The the Magic Mike XXL number. (laughs) (laughs) That was so absurd. (laughs) I know. I mean, I I get that that would. I mean, we could talk about that in a minute. It's like I get that it's kind of it's 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 like a joke. It's taking out of it. It's a character. But at the same time, it's it's still kind of like, you know. It, it, it it's it's also kind of the thing that it's parodying. I mean, he did get extremely ripped. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I didn't see I didn't see those like washboard abs. <laughs> I didn't expect that. This was the arrival of abs in Bollywood. It really, really was. Like, from then on, no, no, no. From then on, like every actor started to do it. Like, wait, we can do that? Okay, let's do it. Why not? And he was forty one at the time. Just, he didn't look like that before. You're shitting me. He's forty one. Yeah. He's 55 oh, now. Fuck, I yeah. gotta get my ass in shape. Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. We have no excuse. <laughs> so out of shape. Uh, so then he starts to remember his old life. It all starts coming back and he realizes, oh my God, I work with this guy that killed both me, my previous self and my, you know, girl that I was in love with. So then it turns into a true crime podcast where they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to, <laughs> to, to like figure out how to get this guy to confess. And um, sort of they do. Uh <laughs> Very, he's of. very like he's very <laughs> passive aggressive about it. He's like, "Oh, is that what you're going to get me to do? Is confess on camera?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but then they sort of do, and you know, justice is served. Sort of. The end. So anyway, so Kaveh, what did you think of Om Shanti Om? I, okay, so a couple things, right? One is I've never actually seen any Bollywood movie ever, like at any point. I've mm-hmm. just seen like clips here and there, so. I had all these like questions and like realizations when I was watching it. And I'm like, oh, but this is basically like, you know, being 35 and being like, what's water like? Tell me about snow. Yeah, I hear I that's like, a thing. That happens. I felt like I was like, I don't know, somebody that was like trapped somewhere and then came out. But unfrozen caveman lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> unfrozen Your caveman lawyer goes to Bollywood. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a simple caveman. But... <laughs> But I have to say, I actually, I was like, I was fucking on board, man. Like, I was feeling <laughs> it all the way through. Like, I was like, it doesn't take itself. Like, so, okay. So let me back up here, right? So part mm-hmm. of the reason why I've not really watched Bollywood movies is, A, the premise of this podcast is I don't like musicals. So I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. these are musicals. Like, I'm not interested. I'm not going to watch it. 
be, it's, you know, every Bollywood movie is supposed to be like 10 hours long that everyone says. Right. And then uh, also third, which is the tone shifts that everyone talks about. So, and, mm-hmm. and that's something we talked about in the first half. All of those were reasons that I was like, I'm not interested. I'm not really going to pursue this. I'm not against it, obviously, but I just was like, mm-hmm. it was not something that sparked my interest. But I have to say watching it, I was like, oh, this is really fun. And mm-hmm. I, and I had, the only analog I could think of was, um, was, uh, what is Moulin it called? Rouge? Moulin Rouge. Yes. Yeah. To the yeah. point where I was like, oh, I'm not unimpressed with Moulin Rouge. It's still like a very like impressive piece. But I was like, oh, he literally did just sort of take what this was and then try to make it for Western audiences, which is great. But I was like, oh, there's a yeah, whole. Which is a really hard needle to thread. You know, right, like, right. I, like we noticed, he he's really only succeeded at that once. I was like, oh, there's a whole world of stuff here that like I don't even like I sort of now have the context and framing for it to sort of mm-hmm. appreciate it better than I think I would have like a year ago. I actually put. Uh, what is it? Happy New Year, like on my queue to watch next. I was going to start watching it just out of curiosity, but then I was like, no, and then I might start mixing up plot lines because I can yeah. hold <laughs> so much information in my brain. Yeah. You can dig into your new uh, hobby after this this episode is over. I, told you, I thought the director was fantastic, too. I thought she did a really great job, but there's a lot of really good. Vi- and I don't again, I don't know if this is typical or if this is just this movie, but I was like, mm-hmm. there's so many good visual gags that she does. Yeah. Like the part like and that are both plot points and also just very funny. Like the part obviously where he gets his wristband caught in like her scarf. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then later when he like saves her from the uh the fire and then he like thinks he's like saying all this amazing stuff to her, but he's just like bumbling like an idiot, and then there's like the voiceover. <laughs> like it's just fun. It's genuinely like really good, like funny gags that she did. Yeah. I think the another weird thing about Bollywood is they're much better about having women in uh, as de- as department heads, mm-hmm. uh, spe- especially um, as directors, because like Farah Khan, you know, directed this and I was slash is, I guess, one of the big Bollywood directors. Mm-hmm. And we just don't really have an equivalent to that, you no. know, I guess because this was also before like. Catherine Bigelow won, uh, so we we still we hadn't had any um, Oscar, you know, because now we have the one, the one, yeah, <laughs> we have, woo, we did it, <laughs> struggle over, baby, I mean, I you, guess come, you, could, you come a long way, baby. <laughs> maybe you could say like Nancy Meyer, somewhat of an equivalent. Obviously not. Yeah, on this it's kind scale, of like well, but... we have Greta Gerwig now. Yeah. Okay, I've forgotten what a gorgeous movie it is. Yeah, you know, just like the colors are great, the, the framing hell. is great. Yeah, I can't think of anything that would like put this much money into something that's funny, right? Yeah. Like, like they don't, that's just not yeah. a thing you do in America. Like you don't put like, this looks like a hundred well, million dollar movie. You don't put things that you don't put money into things that are like good looking, you know, it's almost sort of like it kind of, it kind of, uh, especially now where the, uh, the trend seems to be for comedies, like make them deliberately look, I, don't, I guess the word's not cheap, but like natural, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And really so many of the gags come from the money, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the, the, the idea of, I mean, not from the money, but you, you were able to heighten the gags because you have money. So right. in, in the, one of the notes I wrote, it was like, oh, it's a really interesting conceit to say, let's make a musical movie about making musical movies in the seventies. And so you have like a, like a sort of inception, like dual layer of, oh, here's the set of like what it's like in the seventies. And that's really fun and bright and colorful. And then you have a movie set within that. Which so it's like double art direction and costumes. So you really get like this extremely interesting and like di- that kind of dynamic visual world in the first hour of the film that I, I just was like, oh, this is like really fun to just watch. Yeah. Sadat, how did you feel uh, revisiting this movie? In addition to today, I actually saw it about six or eight months ago. Uh, but that was the first time I had seen it since it came out in 2007. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... That passage of time, one, had given me a lot of like you know, nostalgia for the music, which was really big in mm-hmm. 2007, uh, but also just a newer appreciation for it. Because, again, when I, I saw it originally in theaters when I was 15, at the time I was like, sincerity. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, because <laughs> I was actually thinking that, too, when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah, because the other big movie that came out that weekend was, uh, like I said, a much more artsy film called Savaria. Uh, there's an interesting connection between the two that I'll get to in a second. It's almost the ideal version of itself, Om Shanti Om, because mm-hmm. it's so unapologetically about the industry yeah. and the story also is layered with a lot of things that kind of ride the line between, you know, callback and just straight up ripoff. Because <laughs> yeah. it, 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 borrows, it borrows its entire climax from... A Phantom movie from 1958. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I can see why you would. I can see why you would go there. 
No, I'm pretty sure that like they actually, she might have reused the set for the Jill Schumacher movie because the floor <laughs> is the same. Oh, like the the, yeah. the floor, the floor is identical. I mean, you never seen the Jill Schumacher movie, because uh, like that, it's not like as I was like hand to God, I completely forgot about the chandelier thing. <laughs> um, but like as I was watching it, I'm like, I think either they recreated the set for the Schumacher movie or they just reused it because that floor is identical to the floor in the masquerade scene. They probably recreated it. Well, she also apparently was a fucking choreographer on some musical yeah. in England called uh, Bombay Dreams, I think is what it was called. Oh, I was yeah. Reading. I and didn't she know was she staying at Andrew Lloyd Webber's house. Oh, <laughs> the, the, it all comes back. That's what I was Ever- like, of course, leave it up to all Lindsay to find roads. the one Bollywood movie that has the direct connection. <laughs> all roads lead back to Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> That's our, we should change that to our tagline. I was laughing very hard at that, though. Uh, anyway, sorry, a tangent, though, but that was just like, of course. Oh, yeah, and it has the music box. Like, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the music box is like the, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, there's a, a, a shocking number there's of There's a fans. lot of them, yeah. The I, mean, yeah I, don't think, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think these are deliberate phantom oh, references. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You found phantom yeah, of the Yeah, some of them probably <laughs> The chandelier thing specifically comes from the 1958 movie Madhumati by Bimal Roy, which was the first, it may not have been like the first reincarnation revenge movie in Bollywood, but it was the earliest one that people still remember. It was, you know, sort of a landmark, uh, I guess, for what would eventually become a genre. Um, reincarnation revenge. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a pretty common thing. It was, it, in fact, the 1980 movie Cars which was another similar reincarnation revenge film is where the title comes from is where the, the opening song comes from. That's he's watching a scene from that movie being shot. Oh, with the giant record spinning that he's like dancing yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. That's interesting. Well, another thing like with the, with the Hollywood connection, how uh, I, and I do kind of wonder this because uh, where he's like, call me Mike, everyone in Hollywood does that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if that is kind of a dig at M night Shyamalan because all I remember, like all all of the Indians I knew, like in, in film school, were very were like we, you know, they didn't call him M Night Shyamalan; they just called him Manoj, and it was sort of like this joke of like, oh, okay, you're trying to hide, you know. Which is kind of a thing within the movie too. That's what I was gonna ask, because I don't have any context. But yeah. Like when or, his... or was it? Yeah, I'm like, is this a dig at someone in particular? And I was also thinking about Om's uh, name too, right? Because um, and I was like, it sort of reminded me of like. Jewish actors back in the day being like, oh, we need to change our name oh, to sound yeah, something yeah, yeah. more, you know, whitewashed or whatever so that people will, it'll look good on a billboard or something. And I was like, is his original right, name? Yeah, because his first name is is like a point of contention and his mom is like, yeah, no, exactly. you have to keep your name. And then the second name is just like a basic Kapoor. Yeah. So Kapoor, the last name actually has a really long history in the industry. Uh, going back to like the 1920s or 1930s. Um we're currently on our like fourth generation of Kapoors within the same family being, you know, leading actors. So you had Prithviraj Kapoor, who was in the first Indian talkie in 1931. Uh, you had his son Raj Kapoor, who was a big director in the 40s and 50s. Uh, then his son Rishi Kapoor was the one in Kars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then his son Ranbir Kapoor actually starred in Savaria, which opened opposite this one. Oh, wow. As far as his name's concerned, though, the I, I don't remember his original name before he changes it. When they're like having the discussion at the the, ca- the cafe, but yeah, it's Om Prakash Makija. Yeah, it's. I, I guess that would not be a very uh, stereotypically, you know, hero name. Like, you know, hero is just the word we use for like leading man in the industry. For example, one of one of uh, our biggest stars who you actually see in the film in the, the parody award show where he's playing, you know, a cop, you know, shooting a gun with his. his oh, that crotch. guy was hilarious. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Yeah. So that's Akshay Kumar, which sounds, you know, again, most stereotypically, you know, industry heroic. His real name is Rajiv Bhatia, which doesn't have the same connotations. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, like, I disagree with all of this completely, but just for the record. <laughs> yeah, the, the award show was was sort of like 
you know, a great sort of like love letter slash parody where it's like, even if you know nothing about like the film fair awards, like the, the, the nomination scene, uh, where like, you know, uh, Shah Rukh Khan is nominated twice in the same category for the same movie. (laughs) It was very Tropic Thunder, that whole section of just like, it looked like parodies of movies that they were watching, which I thought was funny too. Yeah. I guess that's another thing. It's like, you'd never see that in like the big mainstream, but this is like, it did feel very Tropic Thunder, but at the same time, you, you just had that like, that other scene where, you know, it's just like this music number that goes on for about eight minutes. That's, uh, Oh my God, it's so long. Everybody, every, everyone in Bollywood come and walk down the, like, yeah. <laughs> just come, come dance. And, uh, you know, it's just, and it's sort of funny because like, you know, obviously like, I, I think I, I recognize maybe 30% of those actors. So I was like, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I was like, okay, I, I, I know that guy. But like, you think even if you don't, it's still enjoyable because it's sort of like, uh, yeah, my note was, you know, that feeling when you're invited to a party and you don't know anyone there, but it doesn't matter because everyone's having a good time. So <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the feeling I got from like the scene where all the Bollywood movie or all the Bollywood actors come and, you know, make a cameo and dance and party. I'm like, yeah, I'm having fun. I don't really care if I don't know what movie you're from. That's one of the two big like musical numbers in the film where it's trying to have its cake and eat it too because just before that musical number starts, the conversation Om Kapoor has with his dad is like, what if I wasn't born into an industry family? You know, yeah. what if I didn't have nepotism on my side? I'm going to make it on my own. And then it's like the director calling in every favor she has for all the cameos. <laughs> <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> it's whiplash, but like, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's fun. I, I was reminded of in... Um, Darde Disco, where the whole concept is just, uh, okay, we need, uh, you know, a cheap, meaningless song so we can market this movie is what the, you know, the, the idea is within the movie. Uh, but Darde Disco is also what Om Shanti Om was sold on. That yeah. was the big number yeah, that everyone was. knew beforehand. <laughs> and the lyrics are total nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it, it almost feels like an, it, an intentionally bad parody of the song called <laughs> Darde Dil from Cars, which uh-huh. has the Om Shanti Om, the original Om Shanti Om song. Um, mm-hmm. But the lyrics are just total nonsense. Like it's something, something, Darde Disco, something, something, Chabisco, just to, to rhyme. But but the, but that's just saying like, oh, something happened on the 26th of last month. It's like that. That's not a real <laughs> lyric. It's just, it's yeah. just because Chabisco rhymes with disco. Yeah, I guess it's kind of because as I was watching that, because um, I have this thing like I can't stand subtitles in musical numbers. So I'd always have to pause it and turn it off. And but then again, I was sort of like, if if I, you know, if, if I could catch like a fair number of words in there, uh, which I guess is maybe true of like a lot of Bollywood songs, they do tend to reuse a lot of the same words. So where you kind of like Ishk and uh, <laughs> uh, Zindagi, um, uh, <laughs> Dil, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the yeah. way, I was like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like snapping and pointing at the TV. <laughs> There's so many Farsi words that were, I was like, oh, Zendigi, his Arbar, like all this stuff. I was like, I know what that means. That's, that's what we say. <laughs> on a yeah. zoo, all this shit. I was like, shout out. Yeah, well, I guess like, cause like okay, so Darne Disco is a song that happens. I guess we're on the halfway point um, after uh, Om has been reincarnated into Om Kapoor. It's okay. How am I going to describe it? I mean, it's basically Magic Mike XXL. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> it's got like he dresses as a fireman. He dresses as a like he, he crawls out of a some- pond. My fate. He gets a bucket of water tossed on him while he's doing a T pose. The best is what becomes right before it, where they're like they're filming this movie where he's supposed to have like no arms and legs and he's deaf and mute and he's like, oh yeah, and he's just like whatever, bro. Dream sequence, and then it just cuts to this. That's what makes it even funnier. And there's there's a bit of a bit of light blackface going on in the background as well. As, I didn't notice you know, that. Quote, unquote, I that. Boney M tribute. Oh, that was white women in Afro wigs. All around oh, I was so hypnotized by the abs, I didn't even notice. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this probably wasn't meant to be done as sort of a like, you know, 
inversion of male gaziness because I don't think India has that problem in quite the way that Hollywood does. Uh, but at the same time, it is kind of fun to watch because I'm like, I, I kind of wonder how, how like male audiences react to this. Cause I feel like in the U S it would make them really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that at you know the turn of the century, uh, a, a lot of songs did tend to focus on like, you know, scantily clad women and all that. So, um, this was in an era where it was more common for uh, women to be the center of this kind of song, this mm. kind of you know music video, so to speak. I feel like there's a, a lot of um, there, there's a lot of jokes of Shah Rukh Khan almost kind of parodying himself. Uh, yeah. You know, because I, re- I remember one of the big uh, jokes about him is this T pose that he does whenever he's like singing or, you know, actually having any kind of epic. What he'll do is it basically kind of like put his arms out like it's sort of like Christ pose and then, yeah. <laughs> and then like pull them in like he's hugging himself. I, I guess I remembered that whenever he does a T pose during Darde Disco and then gets a bucket of water thrown on his washboard abs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, then there's another line where, where someone was like, oh, you're really short in real life. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Is he very short? Shorter yeah. than you would expect. He's not yeah. like Shorter six foot two. How or he something. looks in the movies, yeah. Yeah, in the movie he looks like he's over six, but that's typical. I mean, I, guess, I feel like that's true of mo- true of most people. Yeah. Whenever whenever anyone meets me, they're always like, "Oh, you're short," and I'm like, "Where have I given you the indication <laughs> that, that I giant. was not?" Yeah. This <laughs> 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 is like when you're on YouTube, you're always looking down. And also, like th- there was a, a scene where he's just kind of like waving at the throngs, like outside of his house, and I'm like, "Well, I know that's the thing Shah Rukh Khan does in real life because I seen it." Yeah. And I think it's like, it's just the sort of thing he does. Like, I don't know if he does it every day, but like, uh, <laughs> oh, so that's like a thing. Cause I was thinking, yeah. I was like laughing really hard at that part because there's the news reporter uh-huh. and she's, just, and it's like a throwaway line, but she's like, um, is out on his balcony now. And then like, that's the entire shot of like why the news showed up was just to talk yeah. about the fact that he came out on his balcony. That's real. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's a thing that happens. And it's also a thing that he has parodied in multiple movies by this point. <laughs> Well, yeah, that that David Letterman uh, interview on Netflix begins with him on his balcony, you know, waving to the throngs who are just hanging out because it's like, oh, it's Tuesday. Let's go hang out at. Oh, there's a Letterman interview with him there. Uh, It's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, it's like the new Um, show. Oh, shit. I got to watch it. Yeah, it's 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 Letterman's new show. Uh, I don't even know if it's really a series because like that specific one was a one off where he like spent some time with Shah Rukh Khan in India and then they sit down somewhere in LA and have an interview and you know mostly he it's sort of like him explaining himself to a western audience and you know also kind of being like you know here's why I don't have any interest in making the jump to Hollywood yeah I was actually thinking that too and I was watching it I was like how do you watch this as a director and not be like I want to put that guy in movies because he's clearly got it and then I'm like yeah. he's probably ba- <laughs> he's like you're saying it. he's got that little something <laughs> but I can imagine he's like like basically what we're Mike, saying he's, he's almost yeah, on the phone. He's, he seems like he's un- I'm like, why would you leave India if you're already like the most fucking famous person and you make more money than Tom Cruise? Like, I kind of get it. I think also like that's the thing. And that's sort of a thing that you don't really see in leading men here is that he's a really good comedic actor. Yeah, he really is. And I think like the only again, the only point of comparison I can think of is Will Smith, who's like, you know, the only leading man, leading man. That's also a really talented comedic actor. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say about the things too. the Marvel movies in general tend to be. Like that's that's probably the closest equivalent we have of like good looking ripped guys yeah. who are also very funny. Yeah. Or at least they're written to be funny. I don't know how funny they might be without like a good Marvel script, but like Hemsworth is funny. I think he's probably the yeah, closest yeah, person, yeah. I could, but he's Australian, but you know, he's big here. Yeah, I guess like Chris Pratt, the the least of the Chris's, like he is a good <laughs> he's a good comedic actor and I yeah. think it's interesting like that he he did he, he he has that. I mean, I think like with a good director, he can do dramatic too. Mm. And so in that way, I think he's just gotten lucky. Very much so. I, I did think it was interesting how, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it did feel structurally like a proper musical of like, there was an act one and an act two and the act two mm-hmm. pays off a lot of the stuff that happens in act one and it sort of repeats yeah. stuff. And yeah, yeah, I guess it like more like a stage musical, yeah, I guess exactly. this is, but another thing about movies like this and, um, you know, just uh, as opposed to like American or, or British musicals in general, it's like proportionally, it's not a lot, you know, and it kind of feels like a lot because the musical numbers are really, really flashy and memorable, mm-hmm. but like, you know, as, as a, ter- in terms of like percentage of the movie, it's not very much. And that I, I guess, 
guess it's because they're just really expensive to <laughs> to actually like get together, uh, you know, as opposed to a movie or like uh, Les Mis, which is just it's its own, <laughs> its own I, thing. But like, you know, it, it, it's not a huge upcharge to make that entire thing a musical because they don't have like they don't have like the lighting and the dancing and uh, stuff like that. So it's it, I guess like the dedicatedness is like also something you don't see in a lot of American musicals anymore. Like even something like Mamma Mia, like whenever they go into musical mode, the sets don't change. So they don't need to like change much of the way uh, that the film looks mm. uh, as opposed to something like this. Yeah. Like it completely shifts, especially in, I mean, I guess that's a story point though, especially in the earlier section where they're on film sets, right? So you just go from film set to film set. And then that's when the, yeah. like it, it's part of the visual language of the movie as well to have it just be a totally different visual. Yeah. look. The other thing I was curious about, which I was, and, and I don't really have, again, I have no context for this, but Initially, when I saw it, I was like, does this director think that like modern Bollywood movies are like dog shit and like the old ones were good (laughs) or something? But then sort of as the story went along, I was like, oh, I guess, no, that was just sort of the point they were trying to make about his character and like that specific kind of movie that he was in. But I I mean, I don't know if that was Mm -hmm. if that's like a thing where like here in the States, you like especially because it's 70s, right? Like everybody that like makes movies is like, oh, we revere the 70s as like new Hollywood is like the most important thing that ever happened. And they tend to like really romanticize it at the expense of like anything that came out fucking in the past like 50 years since. So the 60s and 70s are definitely romanticized in a similar way, but I don't think there's as, at the time, there wasn't as strong a feeling that, you know, everything now just kind of sucks. I think it was more of, um, you know, I think like Lindsay said, a, a commentary on, the way things were, you know, changing a little bit, like, oh, now you have more like music video type of, you know, numbers. And um, uh, that hadn't really caught on as like the dominant trend just yet. But now it's far more common, you know, like 14 years removed. Mm -hmm. So it feels prescient in a way almost. But I I was also thinking about um, the Guy Ritchie Aladdin because uh, I think I made a comment on Twitter somewhere that uh, I still mm-hmm. get flack for where um, uh, or maybe it was in a video. I don't remember. I don't remember most of my life. It's somewhere. Stickler. You said yeah, it. But basically I said something to the tune of like, why in God's name did they hire Guy Ritchie who has no interest in making a movie that looks a certain way when there's a perfectly good Bollywood right there. And, you know, those directors aren't going to charge Guy Ritchie prices. And, you know, of course, people took it to mean that, like, I am a dumb dumb and I don't know the difference between India and the Middle East. And, you know, (laughs) it was like, no, you idiots is not what I meant. Like what I meant was Guy Ritchie is clearly going for an aesthetic and he cannot pull it off. Was he trying to make it a Bollywood movie? I never saw it. He's trying to make it look like one, Uh, especially in like there's there's a couple of like dance sequences yeah where and they look like dog shit like they look so (laughs) bad and it's just like it was honestly infuriating because as i was watching it i was like this could have been the one thing to justify this god-awful movie's existence is to at least kind of make it look like not a hollywood movie but it looks like you know it's like guy Ritchie doing a student film homage to bollywood (laughs) it just looks awful and the sets are so bad and so like as i was watching this i'm thinking like okay this movie uh and i'm looking at it right now had a uh a budget of uh about seven million u.s dollars seven seven so that's less less than repo the genetic opera um and uh you know think of like what aladdin with it's 150 million and they're like this movie looks so much better and they do a lot of the exact same stuff um and so yeah it is kind of frustrating where it's just like i think i feel like hollywood is kind of missing out maybe shahrukh khan doesn't want to you know make the jump but they're like there's a lot of talent in india where it's just like you know do what do do what we americans do poach (laughs) poach (laughs) (laughs) brain drain India. (laughs) I I think what you said about uh, the Aladdin movie was fine. Uh, There were some other comments I saw at the time that were like, you know, why are you casting so-and-so when there's so many people in Bollywood who can sing? It's like, no one, none of of the actors in Bollywood sing. That's not a thing that happens. It's all playback. They're really good at lip syncing. Yeah, so you're really showing your ass, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shah Rukh Khan, such a great singer. He always sounds different in every movie, though. (laughs) Weird. Huh, why does every actor in this movie have the same singing voice? That's weird. Well, I think it's like even sometimes within the same movie, uh, they'll, like, have a different singer. Um, I I know that, uh, I I forget, because, like, is it Sukhvinder Singh who is the... Mm -hmm. um, 
well, all the ones I know, I feel like, he, and he works with A.R. Rahman a lot. If, you, if you've heard a Bollywood song from the last 20, 25 years, you've probably heard him sing it because he's like this really ubiquitous voice. But yeah, that is really funny. I mean, they can dance, but then so so can everybody in yeah. fucking Aladdin. And it is interesting how like, you know, that's just a thing that Indian audiences are fine with. Do not care yeah. that their actors all lip sync and none of them can sing. Uh, and in America, people are, I mean, that's why we have the god awful Phantom movie with Gerard Butler. <laughs> it's more authentic. Yeah, American films tend to have this insecurity. Like they're just they're trying to overcompensate for stuff like that. I think it's also just this obsession with authenticity. Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, you're not talented if you can't do all three. It applies to music too. Like, oh, like certain like pop stars like don't write all their own songs right, yeah. or like they're like not singing. Who gives a shit, man? <laughs> yeah, it's like step it up, Taylor Swift. You have to write every single song. Yeah, and have and be able to dance for like ten hours a night and sing the entire time and be good on. It's just like it's unrealistic, man. Yeah. Not just playback singing, but there were probably a couple of other conventions that I don't know if you would have picked up on or not. Uh, for one, all of Deepika's lines were dubbed by somebody else. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. So for a lot of new actresses, they would get like a professional voiceover artist to like, you know, just do all of their lines. And the reason it doesn't stick out too badly is because I would say the vast majority, if not all of the dialogue is ADR. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that as a conceit. I didn't necessarily feel it that much when I was watching it. So I guess that's a little bit more impressive the industry in general, I think maybe this has started changing more recently with technological advancements. But I think since the 50s onwards, uh, it has been the convention of movie making here where you record uh, the picture and the sound separately, meaning you record the dialogue separately for like all of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's interesting. Like that's kind of becoming the convention here, but only for big movies. Like I think Lord of the Rings was the first one that... Um, did it almost across the board because almost all of the dialogue in the three Lord of the Rings movies uh, is ADR. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Almost like, That's yeah, 98% of it. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know, it's funny because when you watch the commentaries, they talk about how hard it is, uh, you know, having done a scene and then they have to go back into the ADR booth and they have to like capture that emotion that they were doing at the time, but they have to do it with like these really archaic Tolkien lines and, you know, they're thinking like, oh man, I know what Ian can do. Ian can do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I had no idea. It doesn't really matter to anybody else, probably, than people who make movies. But I, I thought that the, oh, the credit, sequence. credit sequence was <laughs> credit sequence. so great. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like, top five like, best end credit sequences I've ever seen in any film, like, period, okay. hands down. Well, let's, yeah. let's explain the credit sequence, because since this is an, an, an homage to filmmaking, um, the credit sequence has uh, basically, like, a red carpet. And then everyone who makes the movie, you know, shows up in a limo and gets out. And, of course, obviously, it starts with the actors and, like, the big stars and then it like just kind of goes on down the line where it's just like the producers, <laughs> the writers, the editor, the cinematographer, the hair and, and makeup, the, yeah, hair and makeup, like sound gets their yeah, own thing. Accounting. Like, <laughs> accounting. Yeah. yeah. No, I just like, cause I, I made a note here. That's just like, Oh my God, the cheers, the uh, assistant director got. Oh my God. I, yes. I, Thank I God. I was like, that touched my heart as a former assistant director. I was like, God bless these people. And then it builds, right? And then there's more and more people. Yeah. And then the literally the last person, this is why it was great, is the, the last yeah. person that gets credits is the director. And she comes out of this car and when she like steps out, fucking they're packing up because like all the audience is left. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? And then the car leaves. I was like, it's so great. I was like, props her. I was like, I love this yeah. lady. She's fantastic. Yeah. I, I like that Farrah Khan. Yeah. I hope she got a bright future. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I I guess I, I was kind of surprised by how much I enjoyed the rewatch. Because mm-hmm. usually when I see something like back in the day and I'm like, oh, that was fine. Upon revisit, it's, you know, like Repo where I'm like, OK, so there was a reason why this didn't really catch my interest. But like, yeah, yeah I guess like the this, this rewatch, I was like, oh, this is delightful. Yeah. Why did I, you know, only ever rewatch the uh, music videos? Because it doesn't it also doesn't feel as long as it no, is. No, that's what I was going to say, too. I was like for a three hour movie, like it does move, especially like the first hour and change. Like it moves very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, the actors are all very like, you know, uh, engaging and fun to watch. And if uh, you're looking to 
go head first into into Hollywood, this is a good place to start. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. And if you want, and if you want an exceptionally deranged third act, like if you stop and think about it for yeah. more than two seconds, it's oh like this is logistically, this is absolutely insane. Yeah, the, the third like, act is funny about it though. That's what's great. The plan. Yeah, it's so it turns into yeah. yeah, it's a true crime podcast, and then <laughs> like coax the confession out of him by like <laughs> staging this into. I love that shit though. It's great. It's so ridiculous. I, I do have to say, like the the scene that it riffs on from the 1958 film Madhumati, that scene involves three people. There's, uh, you know, the reincarnated guy, there's the villain, and then there's like, you know, the, the ghost of the woman who he thinks is like the double he's hired, but it's actually the ghost. And there's a mm-hmm. chandelier, fourth character. <laughs> there's, there's no, it's not a musical number. It's nothing like that. That all of this was just, they took the ending of Madhumati, Madhumati, and they said, what if we just, you know, exploded it into like, you know, <laughs> music and filmmaking and even more melodrama. Yeah, well, respect. Because I think that's yeah. it. like, it is very Moulin Rouge in the way that it like effortlessly uh, moves from tone to tone without mm-hmm. feeling like, uh, like, like a mistake or cringy. Uh, although I guess it also depends on, you know, what you consider cringe. I think, uh, you know, it, it, you, you kind of have to go into it with a, um, you know, with it, with an open heart and mind, because yeah. it is very sincere in that Moulin Rouge way yeah uh but if but if that if that's okay with you then it is also a lot of fun so it's a fun time i think i tend to like i've said this before too right if it, if it has these sort of comedic elements to it it, it mm-hmm. feels much more agreeable to me to sort of just go with it mm-hmm. and not in like an insincere like you say Lindsay, like a winky like oh sorry we're doing this but just sort of like ha- more like having a sense of fun with it is um, mm-hmm. i'm like all right i can't fuck with that that's cool like i can I mean, I can, I'll fuck with it is what I mean. (laughs) Real quick question Mm -hmm. before we go. I don't know if you noticed this or not. Did did you feel there was anything different about the way Shah Rukh Khan was speaking in the second half? Yes. No. I noticed it was a lot more English. (laughs) That was the the Mm -hmm. main thing that I noticed. But even the Hindi, he tries to approximate what Hindi would be with an American accent. Really? A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that was like when he's saying like dude and stuff. Dude. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't worry about it, dude. The fish, man. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just like the American influence on India like over the past so over many years? Yeah. Since the 90s, there's been a lot more of that. And uh, I, I guess what it's trying to say specifically here is that, oh, you know, this guy's just kind of up his own ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. And then he has a he has a redemption arc once he uh, you know remembers his mom from his old life, which is which is also really yeah, funny. And to his me accent because, reverts like, too. Yeah. His uh, his you know completely forgets about his uh, um, <laughs> like his his his, 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 his current family. Yeah, yeah like yeah, I was actually wondering that. What happened to his mom? His, his yeah, actual like, birth so, mother. Pre- presumably, there's still a, a like two <laughs> two moms. That'll be the, the next Shah Rukh Khan revenge <laughs> reincarnation revenge movie. The two mom moms. Off, they fight. <laughs> So, Sitan, thank you for thank you uh, for joining us, joining us, and for staying up thank late. You for me. <laughs> thank you for being so yeah. handsome with a beautiful head of hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, if you if you'd like to uh, uh, tell us where to find you and your work, sure, you can find me on Twitter at Siddhant Adlaka. That's S I D D H A N T A D L A K H A. I linked all my work there. It's usually on IGN, Polygon, and a couple of other places. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, all purpose film writing. Uh, and for if you want to follow the podcast, we are at Musical Splaining on Twitter with no G, at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. I am at Kavitaharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. And I'm at the Lindsay Ellis on Twitter and on TikTok, which. I am never going to use, but <laughs> I finally staked out that name and also name brand Lindsay on Instagram. And as always, if you love us and support us and want us to succeed in life and give us the approval that we desperately want, please leave us a good review on uh, wherever you get your podcasts and check out some of the, you know, the beautiful ad reads and, and yeah, follow those ch- links. Check out the ad. Yes, please <laughs> use our audible code so we can, <laughs> we can continue bringing you this yes, lovely podcast. Exactly. Okay, guys, thanks again, and we will see you next time. I'm not sure what we're doing next, but something good, hopefully. We'll see you next time at the burning down chandelier crashing theater. <laughs> <At> the, <laughs> we'll see you next time at the Phantom of the Opera derivative. <laughs>